Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ginny and Bob show that we have each week on video. And you can also get this on podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all those good places. So um, I'm Ginny Graham. I'm the editorials editor. I'm Bob Set, editorial writer and columnist. Welcome to the April Fool's edition. I know, but we're not, I don't have any pranks. I should have thought of pranks. It happens every year, isn't it? Like you wake up and you're like, oh, I had all these things I could have done. So I had a good one last year. What was it? <laughs> um, I think I put something out there that I was uh, going to quit my job and pursue my uh, dream of being a professional video gamer. Which anybody who knows that. me knows that that is definitely not me. Yeah, it was a video game thing that I'm like, mm, no, not that. But I like that everyone <laughs> thought you were ready to quit your job. That was the, like, we can see that. But no, <laughs> that was the video game thing that, that took that off. I have yeah. nothing. I'm just yeah. surviving each day. There you but go. This, this week's big. We've got uh, school board elections coming up. But we also, I mean, they're all elections. They have, I think three districts have bonds up. I know at least Sand Springs has a city council race <laughs> open. So mm -hmm. um, these elections get such low voter turnout, though. Yeah. And so I'm hoping more people will pay attention. I mean, do these elections get by you very often, Bob? I'm in I'm in public schools all the time, so I'm constantly being reminded of it. So. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean it's it's different now just because of how much hotter they are. Oh. So it has me. Yeah. So it has me looking around. It's like, all right, we probably ought to take a look at this one. It's not the same old, same old, which probably shouldn't be thinking same old, same old. I guess I'll ignore it. <laughs> anyway, that's not a great thing for good governance. But uh, no, but I think a lot of that, I think, reflects a lot of the electorate that, yeah. you know, you tend to be motivated when it affects you. So mm -hmm. we're trying to get people these. There are some elections this year that have gotten strangely hot and yeah. so i think more people are paying a little bit more attention mm -hmm. i mean every once in a while there's a school board race that gets contentious but <coughs> there are Barbie. some that are getting weirdly contentious so yeah. I, maybe more people will be motivated to come out i know that sounds awful but uh, but we need people to come out and pay attention to yep. this stuff so um we did I make more endorsements out of all and we just did that because you know proximity you know we live in tulsa but we endorsed in the uh, Tulsa TPS races, Susan Lampkin for District 7, um, Shauna Keller, the incumbent for District 4. And then in Union, Zone 2, I believe, is uh, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Chris McNeil. Mm -hmm. um, and then in Jinx, and I forget the exact district, but we uh, endorsed the incumbent Terry Keeling. And, mm -hmm. and we laid out those reasons in the endorsements that we published last couple of weeks. But, you know, school board job is hard. Can you think of another job out there in public service that is that you get uh, paid so low for what you're being asked? Yeah, so much time that you got to spend doing it. Uh, and not just like showing up to a, a meeting once a month and voting yay or nay you got like a lot of homework you got to do um you got to learn a lot of new things that go into what it takes to actually run a school district there's a lot of side meetings that happen throughout the year i mean it is it's one of those things where you sign up for it you're in for a penny in for a pound I mean, it, people don't realize how much time it is and, and the pay by law by state law which i think is so wrong and bizarre is 25 a meeting 
not to exceed $100 a month. You compare yeah. that to the other public service jobs. It's just because it ends up being a, a part-time, if not full-time job. It's, yeah. it's, it, you're right. It's committee meetings. It's the special meetings. The expectations are you're going to show up and, and create relationships with the schools that you're representing and mm-hmm. a lot. So, you know, and, well, and, with yeah. constituents too, a lot uh, of dealing with constituents, some uh-huh. of them not happy. Well, usually when you're in public life, you're hearing from people who aren't happy. I mean, yeah. that's the way of it. So, Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and these are nonpartisan races. And, and I've always liked that because to me, schools are a place of unification mm-hmm. that I've always thought I should not know a person's political leanings by how they vote on the school board, that the issues they're voting on are primarily budgetary, uh, evaluating the or hiring superintendents. And so the issue should be really focused along education outcomes and not politics. So, so, uh, you know, the nonpartisanship is something that, that, you know, I know that I stress and I think the board uh, reflects that as well. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but but that does get into your topic this weekend, which is election grants and uh, Tom Cole got involved in this. So, and I think that's what got your attention, isn't it? It is. Um, so he's got a, a bill floating around and I don't really know in this Congress how much of a chance it has in succeeding, but that does, no legislation is ever dead as we know in here in the state, but he wants to ban <clears throat> private organizations from giving out grants to, uh, election boards and other agencies like that to help facilitate elections. The thinking was behind it is you've got in this case it was an organization uh, created by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife and the allegations are that you know they're introducing some sort of a bias trying to target certain voters to get out there more than others and it was unfair to I guess Republicans the facts show something a little bit different in that these grants, anybody who wanted one got one. Um, Something like half of them went to jurisdictions with 25,000 or fewer uh, residents. So you're talking that those are rural areas. Rural areas are mostly conservative. And here in Oklahoma, um, not exactly a bastion of liberalism. We had like 40 different election boards apply for and get these grants. And all they really did was try to pay for, give you money to pay for things that helped facilitate elections during the pandemic. We know how tough it was. There was a lot of things that election agencies had to do to keep their poll workers safe, to keep <clears throat> to keep voters safe and to make sure that everyone who wanted a chance to vote could. I mean, we had just an unprecedented number of people, you know, vote absentee or vote by mail or something like that than in past elections because people didn't want to get sick. And, you know, the 2020 elections were held right when we were getting ready to have our worst peak of COVID in terms of deaths and illnesses. So, but with all this weird fear mongering and, and rhetoric around the 2020 elections and stuff like that, bills like this uh, seem to be proliferating and now here we are in Congress. And my thinking is we got some things, if if you want to talk about election security and voter rights, 
let's do that. That's fine, but let's find some real solutions to it instead of continually banging this gong that seems to never stop. Well, my thing is, if, if you don't <clears throat> want private grants, which I understand, I mean, this is, this is the most basic function of government is to put on yep. elections. Then we need to fund it. Then we sh if you don't want, you know, private or nonprofit entities to offer grants, then the government needs to pay for it. Yeah, so do your that's job. The solution to that. Yeah, you know, that's that's the job. So, but yeah, there. Anything that has to do with the election is sort of fear mongering at this point. And I think what was it in the last the twenty twenty election? An analysis that of a column we ran not long ago was there was one case. There was the occasion of filing election fraud, and that was a woman who voted on behalf of her dead mother, I think it was. And she was charged, and uh, that was it. Out of like 1.5 million votes cast, one. So, you know, it goes back to data. You know, let's go back to that. But yeah, facts. Yeah, but I will. The, the, the other column we have this weekend is from um, House Minority Leader Emily Virgin. And she writes, uh, and I asked her to write it because when uh, she, she commented publicly when Abby Broyles pulled out of the congressional race yeah. and Miss Broyles is dealing with some mental health issues up front about it. And I'm, you know, courageous to talk about that. But what the minority leader said was, you know, this is sort of a reflection of the meanness that happens with in public life. And how difficult it is to get people to run when they're facing that kind of this hatred, this toxic environment that is sort of hurled at you when you mm -hmm. are in public life. And it's particularly bad on women. And so I asked her to write a little bit about that. And there is some data showing, particularly with the online community, that the hateful rhetoric, the meanness toward female politicians is is higher. And when you are a woman of color and you're in public office, it's significantly higher. And it's always, and it's not based on policy. It's based on how you look, how your, you know, stereotypes, they're sexual in nature and it's toxic. And so if we want good people to run, we are going to have to sort of work together to tamp that down. I don't know what the solution is, but, you know, we just, you know, I, I make it a point that if there's some un, you know, anonymous, unknown person who's asking me a question online or attacking me online, I just don't respond. I mean, if you're not going to put your name to it, if you're not willing to stand in front of me and say something, then I, you, you know, that's kind of gutless. So, so yeah. she wrote a really good piece that I was just, <clears throat> and uh, and then my piece is just I was ranty last week. I admit. It was the birth control, getting permission, that girls have to get permission to get birth control. Um, but I slept on it, took a breath. I would suggest a lot of people do that. But I went back and did some research and data to find out, you know, what is, how, what is the behavior of youth right now? And we do have at-risk youth assessments. And I did some research. And so I sort of looked at it and came to the conclusion that, you know, this is a bad law. It would really be harmful for a lot of, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of Oklahoma girls. And it would make our state, you know, we already have a problem with teen pregnancy and, and this would make it worse. And I would just suggest that uh, lawmakers 
go back to the data, go back to the research and do that same thing. So facts. Exactly. We need good people in the office to based on fact and reason. So, um, but the other big bill this week, Bob, was the anti-trans bill. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. I would suggest anyone who's who's listening to this, Garen Emig, our sports writer, wrote an excellent column on it. I don't know if Bob you had a chance to read it. Yeah, but, it's it's very good. Uh, uh, what were some of the points in that, that that kind of stood out for you? Now, editorially, we will say we have been against this bill because it's just, it's this anti-trans bill masquerading as a safe world sports. It's discrimination. It is, and I, editorially, we stand against discrimination and it does. So, so Bob, what, what stood out for you reading about it, seeing the, the response? So one of the, the biggest... There were two things that stuck out to me. One of them is that the OSSAA, which regulates uh, high school sports in Oklahoma, they saw a hit on this thing years ago. Uh-huh. They've had a policy in place since 2015 that includes a lot of things, a lot of hurdles, I guess, or whatever, just different things that are required of people who, if they are a trans athlete, that they have to meet um, to keep it fair, right? Because we know that when you're in, when you're in your teens, that's when, you know, boys and girls start going through major hormonal changes. And that's when, you know, we've got the, the the funny little trope is in second grade, all the girls are the tallest people in class. And then, boom, the teens hit around and the dudes get all their size and strength and whatever. So <clears throat> that's the thing that people have been arguing. And that's something that sports federations across the country and probably worldwide have been dealing with right now is how in this situation do we deal with that to make it fair to, you know, to all the other female athletes. So we have something like that in place. So it's not like it hasn't been addressed. So in other words, SB2 may be trying to solve a problem that's already been solved. Hey, good job. Second thing that I saw was they have yet to see anybody come up. There's been no need to, it hasn't come up. Yeah, they've never enforced it. They've never had a reason to enforce the policy because it's never come up. Yeah, they've never had an athlete to go through the process of making sure that they're competing in a fair way. And I said I was going to do two things, but it really is three things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we got those two things out of the way in terms of competition and regulation. But the third thing, and I think uh, the Utah governor spelled this out really well. We know that in among LGBTQ youth and trans youth in general, the issues of mental illness, uh, depression, and suicidal ideation is really disproportionately high. So we're talking about within Oklahoma, I don't know how many kids there are who are trans. I don't know the numbers on that. But among the, in terms of like a percentage of the student body, it is really, really small. And we made a huge to-do this week about passing and signing a law that is against 
them. Yes. Just singled them out as being a problem and we're going to deal with you. Yeah, it feels sit well with me. One of the things that I was asked this week by, you know, a, a group of people, they asked me if lawmakers knew trans kids. They said, do they, when they pass these kind of laws, how many of them can say, I know a kid who's gone through this? And I said, you know, because there's so few kids that fit in this category, probably not. I said, in rural areas, probably not. So they're passing laws based on the theoretical person because they don't know. I mean, I can name kids who have gone through that and I have seen the struggle and my heart bleeds for them because even if they're not in sports, they're reading what those lawmakers are saying. You know, I know kids who are non-binary and have read our lawmakers say, that's not true. You're not a thing. And that's harmful. And I do not think this bill historically is going to age well. I think it's going to cause harm. And at a minimum, it makes our state just look discriminatory. And, you know, when it comes to the actual sports, and I get, you know, that everyone's talking about Leah Thomas, and I get that. You know, if I were a competitor, it would be, you know, you're, you're frustrated and you're making sense of it. And I think Garen really wrote well to that. But are we legislating based on one person? Are we, are we legislating based on the outliers? Or are we legislating based on the norm and a trend? We're, ba- we're basing this on the outliers and fear. And I, that's what... Let's, makes- let's have, you know, and let's frame this in another way too. Let's, to take it to its extremes, let's say you've got a kid who's uh, on a team that plays another team that has a trans athlete and that trans athlete just dominates. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, your kid does not win a state championship or a district championship and the scholarship things are not quite panning out like you would hope they would. Even in that worst case scenario, is it worth it to say, we're never going to let that happen if some kid who sees what we did this week at the Capitol says, that's it, it's not worth it, I'm checking out of life, peace, and they kill themselves. Is that scholarship, is that state championship trophy worth that kid's life, that other kid's life? No, it's not. It's not. There's no championship at any level that is worth a kid's life. I don't care if it's, you know, professional, international, whatever. So I understand the, the beef that people are having. And I would say, hey, there is stuff in place right Right. now to deal with this in an even handed and fair way. What we're doing right now is we have created a wedge issue that gets people fired up during an election year. Right. And that's the thing is, I mean, I hate to say it in this terms, but folks are getting played right now. They're getting getting ginned up. From real things. Yeah. You know, you know what I thought instead of having all this energy on trans athletes in Oklahoma, which OSSA 
doesn't, you know, hasn't had to enforce. None of the Tulsa area schools, when Garen did a story, they've never had a translate. It's never been an issue. But wouldn't have been great to say, we're going to put that energy into talking about mental health counselors in schools. How can we get mental health yeah. counselors in schools? Wow. How can we improve our uh, online infrastructure for kids in schools? I mean, if they want to help mm-hmm. in the schools, or hey, okay, you want to talk about saving women's sports? Let's talk about Title IX. Let's talk yeah. about trying to get equal funding, equal playing time. I mean, there's all kinds of issues that are still going on with inequities and disparities among girls and boys sports. So this is just a distraction and it's sad because it's discrimination. So, um, you know, hopefully Oklahoma can do better <laughs> from here on out. But, um, but yeah, so on that, so let's end this on a high note and you've got a story about your high note for the week. All right. So as some of you know, maybe not a lot of you know, but you're going to know now. I like to do stuff outside. I like to hike and run trails and do all that kind of jump. But the one thing that's eluded me over the years is mountain biking, mostly because uh, the last couple of times I tried it uh, many, many, many years ago was just a, a comedy of errors, you know, pretty much a good laugh fest, hilarious stuff. Well, anyway, uh, I have a mountain bike now, but I've been too leery about taking it out to Turkey Mountain just because the trails there are are, they're not beginner friendly, or at least they haven't been until lately. So River Parks Authority has been working with a, a group called Progressive Trail Designs. Uh, they've done a lot of work out in Northwest Arkansas. It's like the, the mecca of mountain biking nationwide right now. And they have built or rebuilt and redesigned several miles worth of trails. And there, there's going to be ongoing work with that anyway. All I have to say, last weekend, I dragged out my ancient rigid frame mountain bike and tried it out. And I'll tell you what, it was cool. It was fun. And it went way better than it did the last time I went when I was riding some kind of a Walmart Huffy special on its last legs. So I thought that was really a a cool thing that we got going on here that you could see the... You know, there was a vision to do this a while back and people were thinking, oh, that's not going to happen. You know, we don't ever do anything that big or nothing like that around here. And then, oh, guess what? It is happening. Um, well, I guess my Huffy that's 18 years old probably can't handle it. So I'll have to uh, start with the keep that in the neighborhood, I guess. You'll never know until you try, Jenny. <laughs> well, my high point was I saw my daughter in her first lead in her school play at Edison. Ooh. And uh, she, it was a two-person dramatic play, and it was called I and You, and she nailed it. And it was weird as a parent to see your child do adult things like have a lead in a play, you know? And so yeah. she did great. And, and I also, there were a lot, what's cool is that there were a lot of other uh, theater kids from other public schools that attend, and she attends those as well. And, um, you know, good things are happening in public schools. People yeah. don't hear about it, but when you're seeing, you know, a, a Shakespeare fest at a school, you're like, this is cool. And uh, so is uh, a lot of things. So anyway, That's that was awesome. kind of cool. That was my high point. And I, uh, you know, I used a new recipe for a pork loin and nailed it. So that was cool. 
Nailed it. I can, I'm getting used to a smoker too. So, you know, it, it, was, I'm, it, I'm wasn't, like, it wasn't like the meme. <laughs> so, so anyway, like I hope everyone nailed it. Yeah, I nailed it. Yes. Everyone was For happy real? in my okay. house. So, you know, well, and when you, ha- when you spend that and everything's so expensive now that when you buy like half a pork loin, you don't want to screw that up. That's a lot of money. So, you yeah. know, you're like, I've got to get this right. So I hope everyone has a good weekend. You too, Bob. And yeah. be sure to go vote this yep, week. Vote. Write us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you next week.